0: trading places um have you ever noticed how many different home shows there are all the many different home shows there's home shows uh simple do-it-yourself type things to make simple changes around your home ways to do things real nice and and change it dramatically with spending the least amount of money have you seen that there's home shows where they do dramatic changes, where, where um, homes that are really dilapidated, you wonder if anybody would want to live there or whether, whether it's better to tear it down or remodel. You know, what do, what, and they do these fantastic, new, beautiful renovations. You've seen those shows, yes? You here? Okay, I want to make sure you're still with me. All right. Or maybe, maybe you've seen the shows where um, uh, people who just, they don't have any means, and, and yet they're really good people and they're doing wonderful things, but their home is full of neglect because they don't have the means. And, and so a whole community rushes in and, and in a day transforms the home. You've seen that, right? Yeah, yeah. There are just all number of home shows, and I'm still waiting to see the home show about parsonages, church parsonages, (laughs) because i got a bunch of stories. Probably my best church parsonage story is not my own, but I came into close contact with. It happened in another denomination, a denomination in which um, there's a bishop and and the bishop directs and moves the ministers around from church to church. And, And in this denomination, in this particular region, all the different churches had parsonages. And every few years, the ministers would be moved from one church to another church and have to go live in a different parsonage. The only thing was that there was a great difference between these parsonages. Some parsonages were just the pearl of the church. They were beautiful. They were old and well kept up. And they were, they were, the, the, these parsonages had to, had to also be furnished by the churches. And, and some of these parsonages were just Beautifully furnished, full of antiques and, and a grand piano, and just they were just absolutely incredible. And then I'm sure you can understand there were other parsonages that weren't as well kept up, that had never seen an authentic repairman, but other people who met well in the congregation had made repairs. And, and, and the church, the, the parsonages were kind of worn down, and not, not unlike some of the churches in poor communities. And the furnishings were those furnishings that were hand-me-downs, you know, the type of thing that no one else wanted to have, so they gave it to someone. Someone else might be able to use this. Furniture that didn't match, and, you know, you sat on one part of the couch, you could sit there, but if you sat on the other side of the couch, you kind of went way down, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, the complaint went up among the minister families. Look, you know, one place we live like king and queens, other places, uh, you know, I wouldn't give this to my best friend or my worst enemy. And the the bishop got so tired of the complaints, finally said, that's it. We're going to change the system. Because when ministers moved, the furniture stayed with the house. Here's what's going to happen. The next time I move everyone, the furniture, no matter what parsonage they're in, goes with the minister. Think about that. Those who are living like kings and queens suddenly had to take with them all these beautiful antiques and the grand pianos and and those who were living with the... Harvest gold and the avocado green and the stuff from the 60s suddenly had to move that with them as well. Now it wasn't the ministers who were complaining as much as it was the churches who were complaining. Wait a minute, you're taking the heirlooms that we put in the churches, in the parsonages, you're taking those. What are you doing? And this big roar went up about what is this? What is this ruling that you've made? You're messing up our lives. You're messing up our system. You're messing up the way we live. What is this? This morning, as we prepare to read from the Gospel of Mark, Mark is inviting us to see that this Jesus is going to radically change the way we live. The question, what is this, hangs in the air. What does this mean for us? And how will our lives change? So let's pray that God would open his word to us. Oh, Lord, help us. Help us to hear your word. Help us to see how you have come to change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We're early on in the gospel. We're in the first chapter at the 21st verse, and it begins this way. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you done? What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed. So that they were questioning among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once, his fame spread throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What... Is this that question just kind of hangs in the air? That question that Mark likes to dangle—that was on the voice of all those who were gathered. He wants to dangle it before us to get us to think about what exactly is happening here and what does it mean for us. What is this—a new teaching and, and authority? What is this? Mark is the kind of gospel writer who likes to get to things right away. He doesn't dance around doing other things. He gets right to things. He goes directly to the situation. He might have more description. He might be longer than some of the other gospel writers in retelling a story, but he still goes directly to the point. Mark is one of those gospel writers who is quick to deliver. He doesn't start his gospel with the birth narratives like Matthew and Luke do. We don't hear about the shepherds or about the birth. We don't deal with any of that in Mark. He goes right away into what's happening and why it's important. Matter of fact, some like to talk about how he likes to use this word immediately. It's the Greek word euthos. Take that slide back down, if you will, for a second. Immediately, it's a word that Mark uses over and over again. We have words that we do that with. You know, if if you grew up in the '80s, you may remember uh, that uh, uh, people like to use words like like. Remember that? I was, like, watching what was happening, like, and I saw, like, so many different cars, like, and they were going really fast, like, really fast, like, we weren't able to slow down they were going so fast. You, ever, you remember that? Yeah, kind of the, the valley girl, a terrible impression, I grant you, but, you know, like... We, we still do it today. Um, uh, when, when people talk, they often will say, you know, you know, we were, we were driving, you know, and, and there were a lot of cars on the highway, you know, and, and you know, there were, sound familiar? If you went back a few generations to my grandfather, it wasn't you know, it was you see, you see? you see and sometimes they shortened it and said simply see see and and others have uh, a word that they use over and over again kind of as a placeholder uh um so um what do you want to do um i think this would be a good idea uh um um Um. Mark seems to use immediately that way. Mark throws immediately in all the time. Mark, uh, throw, throw that slide up now. Mark uses immediately two times in this reading alone that are strange to us. And they went to Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. How many of you said let's immediately go to church today. That was an immediate thought. Or later on, he says, and immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. Yeah, how many came in today and said, and immediately I saw my friend? It's kind of awkward. It's odd. Mark uses immediately so many times that of all the immediates that are in the whole New Testament, all these different immediatelys, he's over 70% of them. He's like 40 plus times he uses the word immediately, over and over again. Now, why do I go into this? Because Mark, as much as he is direct and goes right into things, he also is giving us underlying hints about what he's about to say and what he's about to share. And I want to suggest to you this morning that immediately isn't Mark's just awkward form of speech that he just uses it as a place over like um or you know or you see or like, but that he may actually have more that's involved in this word immediately. Because when we hear the word immediately, we think quickly, fast, Right? And that just seems odd that suddenly we have to be immediate about going to church. Now, if you're last minute or you're running a little late, okay, maybe you need to be immediate. But otherwise, it seems odd, doesn't it? So I want to show you a couple other uses of the word immediately in the New Testament. I want to show you this word in two other places. One is in Mark and one is in the Acts of the Apostle. Let's see that next slide. The first one is at the very beginning of Mark. The third verse, Mark is quoting from the prophet Isaiah, and he says this, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. You see the word immediately there, don't you? You see it, right? Good. We'll move on to the next one. The other one is in Acts of the Apostles. And here, this is a case in which uh, there's this man, Simon, who, who wants to by these powers that the apostles seem to have they've been healing and speaking a good word and Simon wants to buy those powers and, and he's being told off no you can't do it that way and your heart's all wrong and they say you have neither part nor lot in this matter for your heart is not right before God so that's the other account of immediately two other examples of immediately you see that one too right? You almost are all looking at me like the emperor's new clothes. Like, okay, yeah, we agree. No. So now, in this next slide, you see where the words are. In the first one, immediately, is the word straight. And in the second one, the word immediately is right. We do this all the time in our own language we use a word we know but we use it in many different ways take the word run for example if you were running we're talking about someone who's moving really fast not walking not even jogging but running right If you were to go on a run, you're going to run. You're not just simply walking or jogging or something else. You're supposed to be running, right? But we also use the word run in saying this, you know, when someone has served in a position a long time, we say they've had a nice long run, right? We're talking about a length now and not so much a speed, Or um, if someone, well, the days of stockings or even a, a, a nice shirt and suddenly a thread comes out and you have a run in your shirt or in your stocking and we're talking about a change and that you can see it goes for a certain length. Or even now in the political realm, we talk about a candidate running for office. Now, I don't know about you, but I've looked at a lot of the candidates out there, and none of them look like they should have anything near the actual act of running. Right? And yet they're running for office. We use the word run in a variety of ways, and we know by the context what we mean. And yet someone hundreds of years from now might be a little confused. However, if they start to string those different uses together that we're very comfortable with, whether someone's running or whether there's a length of time or a length of fabric or whether they're participating in an actual activity of running for candidacy. We know all those, but there's something in our mind that does somehow connect them together. They are different, but yet similar, or they're related. Because running for office is a, is a difficult, hard endurance activity. Someone who stays in a position or has a long run of winning Super Bowls or not being in the Super Bowl is difficult. So when Mark uses the word immediately, it might help us to know that he's using it kind of as an adverb a lot of times and more the base of the word has more to do with straight and right. Making something straight when it was crooked. Making something right when it's wrong. Making something straight or right or, or putting things right. We can understand that concept. And so I invite you to think about that this, that Mark is actually giving hints early on to what he's going to say directly in a few moments, of a larger work that is happening that leads us to ask, "What is this?" Go back to the slides from Mark. And they went to Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. Mark's hearers heard not just the urgency and the quickness, but they got a ringing idea that today, in going into that synagogue, things are going to be made right things are going to be straightened out. And that is heightened all the more when a man with an unclean spirit appears and that he appears immediately. It's not like he suddenly drops into the scene, although that's the way we tend to read it. It's more of, oh, something is going to be made right here. It's going to be straightened out just suggesting it to you. And what's happening? Well, they are absolutely amazed. You can go back to the final slide there. They're absolutely amazed by this teaching, by this teaching of Jesus. They're amazed by it. Why? Why? Why are they amazed? They're amazed because he teaches as one who has authority. Not like the scribes. What? 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 The scribes and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they had authority. They knew the book backwards and forwards. They knew it very well. They were the authority. And yet here we're hearing that the people are hearing Jesus and realizing this is different. He's teaching with an authority that is so much different from the scribes. It's not just a different presentation, it's he really knows. He really knows this. It's like he was there from the start. We've all dealt with people who are gifted in a trade or an activity and they're, they're good at what they do and, and we depend on them and, and we're impressed with them. But even they sometimes come across someone else who just simply knows it so much more. They know it inside and out, every bit of it. It's like they breathe it and they know it far more. We've all been in a, in a work field where we know our stuff and then we come across someone else who just, it's like, wow, they wrote the book. This next part I, I want to share with you and I humbly share it with you. When I was first dating Suzanne, um, I didn't know the difference between a, a wrench and, and like a socket Set. I, I didn't know. We, we took everything to the man, And um, so when we were dating in college, um, her, her car started to have problems. And so she called up her father in New York and said, Look, Dad, um, uh, the car's making a sound like this. And she made these noises. And he said, Oh, it's such and such. And I thought, Well, that's kind of odd. He says, Take it to the local dealership and uh, tell them it's such and such, and they'll fix it. So I rode along with her, and we went to the dealership, and, and she went in, and far more confidence than I had, and said, you know, my car is doing such and such. I talked to my dad. He says it's this, and uh, that you can fix it. And they said, okay, thank you very much. And they did the, what you would all expect, you know. Yep, yeah, we'll take a look at it. And they took a look at it, and they came back, and they said... Uh, it's not that it's this this is what's actually your problem this needs to be repaired to which i thought okay cool we're that much closer to which my now what my wife i'll just call my wife now rather than my girlfriend back then um my wife says no it's not my dad says it's this and i'm thinking who what, what's this you know and, 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 you know, the nice pat on the head to the nice young college student, no, dear, it's this, and we'll take care of it. Tell your dad it be okay. And she says, well, let me, can I call my dad? This is back when you had to get the rotary phone and call again. And, and they said, well, sure. And so she called, and she said, Dad, they, they're saying it's this. And he said, it's not. It's what I told you. Don't let them touch the car. To which I'm like, what in the world is all this? And she says, well, you can't touch the car. It's this. No, it's this. Let me talk. And so they, they talked to him, and uh, he said, no, it's not. It's this. Don't touch my car. And then let me talk to my daughter, and gets my wife back on the phone. You need to leave that place. And I'm like, this is crazy. These are the people who fix cars. They know what they're doing. And we're leaving because she's described the sound to you. You're 700 plus miles away, and you're saying it's X. So as we're getting in the car to leave, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around all that's happened because, again, I don't know any better. The serviceman comes out to us and says, don't go, don't go. Uh, we just got a call from corporate saying we understand you have Mr. So-and-so's car there. You need to do what he told you to do. It turns out that when this corporation sometimes had problems with some of its engines, they would call him to help figure out what the problem was. And now that his daughter's car is 700 miles away in one of their dealerships, they're going to do what he said to do. That's when I discovered a real level of authority. Not because he was some high up, but because somehow, instinctively, this man had an understanding of engines and how they work and all the nuances. Uh, I mean, I've witnessed him bore new holes into an engine where I think, you're not supposed to do that. And he does, and it works better. We've all encountered someone who seems to be that much more and just gets it all and understands how it all works together Jesus was teaching in a manner with an authority that not only got it, it's not like he could ace the quiz on how, what the Scripture all says. He was the Scripture. He was the very Word of God. And imagine what it would be like to hear the very Word of God in our presence They were amazed and astounded. And in the midst of this is a man with an unclean spirit who, because they can't figure it out, identifies, you're the Holy One. Together with the worry, what are you going to do with us? Are you going to destroy us? And he tells that unclean spirit to leave the man. And with convulsions and all, the spirit leaves And they're all witness to it. What is this? Friends, we need to remember that the one we come into worship, the one on whom we are hanging everything, is the one who can hold us in every way. The one who can take our brokenness and make us whole. The one who can take our uncleanness and make us clean. The one who can speak to us in a manner that no one else can and say to us, I love you. Long before we ever loved him. What is this? is an invitation not just for ourselves to be reminded and recall how great and wonderful and all-saving is our God, but it's an invitation to everyone else out there to come and taste and see that the Lord is good, that this is the one who can make us all whole. This is the one who can take whatever is crooked in us and make us straight. This is the one who can take whatever is broken in us, whatever is wrong, and make us right. This is the one who created the world and once again is entering into the world and is now recreating and restoring all of us into whom we are called to be. May we all leave here this morning pondering and playing and rejoicing over the question, what is this? What does this mean? Who is this Then now is ready to remake our whole self new. Talk about a home makeover. He's come to bring us home again. Let's pray. Almighty God, may you remake us through your Son, Jesus Christ. May we be reminded that there is nothing outside of his will nothing outside of his ability to do all in accordance with your will, to make all things new, and to restore us into the people you call us to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray and hang all that we are. Amen. Nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus. There is nowhere we can go to flee him. Emmanuel, God with us. He came to us. And if we are ever concerned that he might not be willing to hear us or listen to us, hear what we've just sung, that we can seek him and find him. Go and know who has come to you. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be yours this day and forevermore. Amen.